It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, we welcome you. We are thankful that you're here. You encourage us, and we hope that we can encourage you. Uh, if you're a mother this morning, again, we, we wish you Happy Mother's Day. What a wonderful blessing mothers are to our homes. When we think about uh, the design of the family, God, of course, is the one who created the family, designed the family, and one of the great gifts that He gives, not only to the family, but to the church family, to our communities, and even to the nation, is the gift of motherhood. When Thomas Edison spoke of his mother, uh, he mentioned the fact that he did not have his mother with him for a very long time, so she must have died when he was young. But he talks about the training that she gave him and the way that because of his personality, he said he could have easily gone the wrong way in life. After he explained that in this quote, he says this, But her firmness, her sweetness, her goodness, her potent power to keep me in the path or in the right path, my mother was the making of me. The memory of her will always be a blessing to me. Many of us, I'm sure, could say that our mother was the making of us. I know today I wouldn't be a preacher if it were not for my mother. She was the making of me, and especially in that area. All of us, to some degree, owe something to our mother. I also realize that today, there for, for a few would be that the topic of motherhood is not a pleasant topic. Uh, because of losses or disappointments or whatever it may be. Today, we don't open God's Word to esteem one particular mother, but today we look into a passage of wisdom that the truth is, the principles of it would apply to every one of us in whatever role that we fulfill in life. But especially if you are a mother today, I hope that you'll look carefully again to that text that we read to think about what God would want you to be, not just as a mother, but as a wise mother. Mothers have such influence in the lives of their children. You know, Time Magazine came out with their top 100 list recently of individuals that have shaped our society. <coughs> you might have seen that list and been surprised by some that were on that list and maybe even surprised at some that were not on that list. But if you were making your own list, let's say you were making a list of five individuals that had great influence in your life, would your mother be on that list? The past 12 months, <clears throat> we have had uh, babies born. And as you're looking at these slides, I'm going to go get a drink of water. I don't know if you noticed, but almost half of the list that you just uh, was viewed before you, their names were either Stephanie or Jennifer. When I saw that, my reply was, I'm thankful I married a Tracy. <laughs> but we're grateful for all of you Stephanie and Jennifers and Jennies out there and all you others that uh, have had the wonderful gift from God. Children truly are a heritage of God. And what a blessing that is in our lives. The children that you've just seen, it's obvious that their mothers have a huge impact upon their life. And that's not true just in infancy. 
That's true throughout their life. What a blessing it is to be able to help mold and shape a life. Families have a powerful impact upon each other. The text that has been capably read for us, James, the third chapter. Did you notice back in verse 13, he begins by asking a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? This morning, if I were to ask you the question, are you wise? Do you want to be wise? It's always interesting to ask that in a small class to see the response. Some look at you as if they've never thought about that before in their life. Others look at you in such a way as to say, I can't believe you're asking that. I I guess if I stopped and thought about it, I'd want to be wise, but I really haven't thought about that lately. But I trust that this audience surely is full of individuals that not only think about that on a daily basis, surely you pray about that on a daily basis also. I hope all of our mothers here have prayed that God would give you the wisdom that you need to be the mother that He would want you to be. Notice in James, the first chapter, James, the first chapter in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God gives us a beautiful gift of wisdom, but He won't force it upon us. We have to decide if we want to be wise. We have to decide if we'll go to the source of wisdom. Now, we're not going to take the time this morning to develop the whole aspect of wisdom. But if I could mention to you, think about wisdom as it pertains to first in the book of Proverbs, knowledge. There has to be knowledge. That knowledge has to come from God. So if you're going to be a godly mother, it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You ought to be willing to stop and say, what is it that God has said about this? I want to know knowledge. I want to know what God says. Number two, think about understanding. We have to see things as they really are. Do you realize that oftentimes when you and I perceive that we're having a problem in our life, usually what we perceive to be the problem is not really the problem at all? You see, reality and perception so oftentimes are two different things. It takes a lot of wisdom to know really what is happening at a moment. Now, when I have the knowledge to know what God wants and the perception or the reality of what really is to be and really is uh, at this moment but also can be in the future, then I need to be able to have discernment, be able to make the right decisions to take God's knowledge and apply it to my daily living. When you chain those three together, then you have wisdom in its fullest. You see how to take God's knowledge in your making decisions, process that and work it into your daily life. And so James asked the question, who among you has wisdom and understanding? Let's hope and pray that all of our mothers can say, I am. That's not arrogance, it's not boasting. But I am wise. I'm seeking to be. I strive to be. I pray about it every day. Let it be our goal that God would count us wise. But now notice this as we look back again to the third chapter in verse 13. We have the question, but we also see the answer. Look in 13 again. Who's wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. That's wonderful to be able to know Proverbs. 
for somebody to ask you a question and you be able to answer that with a proverb. It's wonderful to have good advice. Someone asks you a question and you're able to give righteous and good advice. It's wonderful to have that kind of knowledge that you can literally say the right thing. But friends, that pales in comparison to the ability of not only being able to say it, but to live it. You see here when he asks who has wisdom and understanding, he doesn't answer that by saying, he who can quote the most Proverbs. He answers it by saying, let him show by good conduct. He literally is saying, who can live it out? Friends, talk is cheap. It's easy to talk a good life. It's a lot tougher to live a good life. About your mother. If I were to ask you right now, just a series of questions about your mother, most in this room could answer without hesitation. How'd your mother treat your neighbors that lived on the left side of your house? How'd your mother treat your neighbors that lived on the right side of your house? How'd your mother talk to you guys when you were in trouble? What'd your mother usually say to you the first thing when you walked into the door? Did your mother curse, drink, smoke? Did your mother attend Bible class, worship, Sunday morning, Sunday night? Was your mother a hard worker? Did your mother enjoy television? How'd your mother dress? You see, as quick as you can ask those questions, most of us here could just rattle off an answer just as quickly. I'm not saying this would be impossible, but think with me for a moment. How many of you could take a sheet of paper right now and write 25 quotes of your mother? I'm sure some of you could. Fewer of you could. And the truth is, all of us would have to think a lot deeper. Why? Because it's not just words we live by. The truth is, the shadows cast much longer when we think of actions than we think of words. If you want to shape and mold a child's life, not just talking about why they're in the home either, as long as the mother and the child lives... If you want to shape and mold a life, not only say the right thing, but live the right thing. And that's the answer James gives when he says, Who among you is wise and understanding? It's the one that can show by their life the righteous conduct. But notice, it's not that simple either. Notice at the end of 13, it's the righteous conduct in meekness of wisdom. I've enjoyed studying this paragraph this week. I really had not thought previously about meekness and wisdom going together. But that definitely is a part of wisdom. When we think about 1 Peter, the third chapter in verse 15, we don't have a screen for that, but it's over just a page or two in your Bible there. 1 Peter, the third chapter. Notice what he says in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now this verse is oftentimes misapplied as it is being taught. Uh, For much of my life, I heard this verse taught and quoted to say, we ought to be able to answer any Bible question that arises. That's not what this verse says. 
This verse is talking about when we are questioned about our reason for hope. Someone comes up and challenges you, says, why are you a Christian? What hope is in that? You ought to be able to answer that. That ought to just spill right off your tongue. I can tell you why I'm a Christian. I can tell you the hope that I have as a Christian. Now, it'd also be easy to be arrogant about that, wouldn't it? And he says, I don't want you to answer everything in an arrogant way. He says, I want you to be able to answer your reason of hope in meekness and in fear. You see, God here is teaching that when we deal with others, it needs to be a meek way that we deal with others. Galatians, the sixth chapter and verse one, we have the stronger being commanded to go to the weaker brother that has fallen away. And as they go, they are to consider themselves and go in meekness, lest they themselves also be tempted. Now, when we take this back to our text in James, the third chapter, and we say, okay, we are to live a life of wisdom. And that life of wisdom, how are we to do it? He says, I want you to live out the good works, but have meekness of wisdom. How do you speak in your home? Do you speak the right thing? Do you speak it with the right tone? Is meekness evident in the way that you talk? You see, that's the idea of who among you is wise, who among you has understanding. Now, notice as we consider 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. If you would, turn back to 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. And we're thinking about motherhood. Uh, Probably last year, the year before, this was the text that we studied uh, as we considered mothers. This is one of the most beautiful texts that really epitomizes the nature of a mother. And Paul really is talking about the attitude that they tried to have as they went into uh, Thessalonica. And what he was pointing out was the fact that he went in with a very uh, tender way. But as we think about this, I want you to notice, they did speak the right thing, but they also lived the right thing, and they did it in a very tender fashion. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. Look for those three things as we read this. He says, We were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. Isn't that beautiful? What did he take to them? He took to them knowledge, the gospel of God, but he also took to them a life that lived that knowledge. We gave our own life for you. That's what Christians do. They give their life. They talk Christianity. They live Christianity. But did they go in meekness? Yes. They cherished them. They went like a nursing mother would care for children. Listen, it doesn't matter what role we play in our homes. It's so important that we realize that we say the right things, but live the right thing in meekness, in tenderness. Here is a man talking to a congregation saying, I tried to deal with you just like a a nursing mother would cherish her children. Who among you is wise? Let the answer be every one of us. Look back, if you will, to James, the third chapter, and let's question where this wisdom comes from. As you, <coughs> excuse me, as you look back in verse 14, notice where this wisdom comes from. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your own hearts, do not boast or lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. 
Now notice what it produces. For where envy and self-seeking is this, confusion and evil, or every evil thing, are there. Now, the truth is, this isn't wisdom at all. The reason it refers to wisdom is because some that try to practice this call it wisdom. The only real wisdom is from above. So he describes first this earthly view of wisdom, and he says, notice the heart of this view. First, in verse 14, he says, it's envious and self-seeking. Now, that kind of heart did not come from God. So the next verse, he says, that's from an earthly or a carnal nature. That's from a sensual nature. That's from being influenced by Satan, a dynamic uh, nature. But notice what it produces. When we do that, it produces at the end of 16, confusion and every evil thing. Let me give you one example. That it, it could be a list of things. But as we think about motherhood, think about this simple example. And even though this is easy for us to do, any parent has probably been guilty of this, but think how serious it is whenever we abandon God's wisdom. Think about selfishness. A mother comes in at the end of a long day of work, and she says to herself, I'm tired, I'm worn out, this is my time. She looks over and she sees her child disobeying. But again, she tells herself, I'm tired, this is my time. That's not selfless. That's selfish. And so she allows the child to disobey, and that kind of thing goes on day after day. And then, one particular day, company comes over. So company's there, and the child is doing wrong, and this time, the mother corrects her, and the child doesn't respond. And it turns into a confusing, ugly situation. The mother grabs the child by the arm and takes the child back to the bedroom. And what transpires isn't good. You say, well, how did that happen? Well, afternoon after afternoon after afternoon, the mother has told herself, it's my time. Friends, I realize there has to be a balance and we have to love ourselves. But the bottom line is, there's never a time where we have the right to say, what is best and well for my child, I'm not going to do because I want to be selfish at the moment. Now, let me give you an example. Not to say I agree with everything that she has done, but I simply want to use this as a reminder of how we as a nation realize that our homes are in disarray. You know, when Joe Frost came on the scene in the UK as the super nanny, in 2004, the ratings for that television show went sky high. 2005, in the summer in the U.S., they also soared high. When she wrote a book about this, 17 weeks on the New York Times top seller. She went on every major television show and was invited there to promote her book and etc. Why? Well, it's this simple. People realize that their homes and their families are full of confusion. But the problem is, what most families don't know is that what is lacking is purity. And what is lacking is purpose in their family. What most do not realize is the fact that what they need is wisdom from above. Now, interestingly, 
They can recognize the confusion. They just don't know how to obtain or either they do not want godly wisdom in their homes. Maybe it sounds too simple. But friends, when mother and father seek God's wisdom in all things, the result is you don't need a super nanny. The result? Well, let's read the result. Let's go back to James, the third chapter. Let's read the verse that we dropped off. Uh, We ended at verse 16. Now look at verse 17. James 3 and verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above... Now see, previously in 13, 14, 15, 14, 15, 16, we looked at the wisdom from earth. But now go back and look at 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and of good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. So what does this wisdom do? Where it produces a life of purity. It produces a life that's peaceful. Why? This wisdom doesn't concentrate upon itself. This wisdom concentrates on what God's will is. And what a beautiful result of that. As a matter of fact, when you look at, the, at verse 18, notice the harvest. Notice the harvest. If someone's going to be wise, and they're going to use the source of wisdom being that of God's wisdom, notice the harvest in verse 18. Now the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What a beautiful, short verse. What do we want? The right things for our family. The fruit of righteousness. How does it have to be sown? That fruit of righteousness has to be sown in peace. And it's going to be done by those who are what? Peaceful. You see, it's saying the right things, and it's living the right things. And it's putting those right words and those right actions in the ground. Friends, we can say one thing and live another way, and you know what your kids are going to follow. Nine out of ten times, they're going to follow what you do. Right now, if if you think about your family, and you say, what do we want for our family? Just go out in your mind 10 years, 20 years. What, what do you want for your family? What are you sowing? The things you say you want, are, are you sowing those things by the way you live? Are you living that Christian example? You see, we may only have our kids in our home for... 18 to 20 years in a lot of cases. But our influence, our influence doesn't stop until they close the casket and cover the grave. We need to think about what we're saying by our life. We need to think about if we're living a life of wisdom and what a blessing that is to everyone that touches our life. Spiritually, are you living a life of wisdom? Are you saved? Are you a child of God? Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins? If not, as a believer that's willing to repent and turn away from sin, 
If you're willing to confess before men, won't you be baptized this morning to give your life to the Lord? Maybe you have been baptized and somewhere along the way you've lost the way. And maybe you want to come back. It's one that is willing to repent, confess, and let's pray forgiveness. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing. There's a land.